Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Good morning, and welcome to uh, Voice America Radio. We are actually talking about dogs. We've got a dog barking. How appropriate is that? That's perfect, right? So, um, uh, all right, Foxy, give it a rest, little girl. Give it a rest. (laughs) And we're here with Dr. Armighty May. Dr. Armighty May, you are known as the vegan vet. So tell us about that. Tell us about why you're called the vegan vet and what your mission is. I do not eat my patients and I've been vegan for about 19 years. I've been a veterinarian for 13 years and I always knew I wanted to be a vet from a young age. It was my calling in life to help animals. So it just made sense that I would be vegan. And when I learned about what happened to dairy cows and egg laying hens, it was a no brainer for me to make the switch from vegetarian to vegan. I was raised pretty much vegetarian, thanks to my mom and her father, my grandfather had witnessed a pig being slaughtered. And that's why he and my grandmother uh, decided to not eat land animals. So they raised uh, their children, including my mother that way. And then I was raised vegetarian. Well, it's a very similar story to my background, but your family was a little bit more ahead of mine. My mother, who was born in Vieques, which is an island off the coast of Puerto Rico, it's part of the Puerto Rican Commonwealth, she had a pet pig. And she thought this was her pet pig, her companion. Then one day when she was very young, she came home from school and the pig had been slaughtered for food and she literally collapsed. This was her best friend and she shunned meat from that point on. Now we weren't uh, vegans, we weren't even vegetarians, We were pescatarians, but it was sloppy. But the point was we were on the journey. We we actually had an awareness that um, animals, that that, that the slab of something or other on a plate is not just a thing, that it was a a being with a mother and uh, um, with a heart and eyes. And so it's funny because that happened at approximately 1921, my mother lived to 99 and a half. And so it was really back when she was a young child, maybe 1920, 1921, uh, 22, when all that happened. And here we are uh, almost a century later, um, talking about basically how the world has to go plant-based if we are to survive. Um, we recently had on Dr. Selesh Rao, who is um, a Stanford PhD and was very instrumental in the development of the internet, the ethernet, work with Al Gore, split with Al Gore because Al Gore wouldn't talk about animal agriculture. And he says, we've destroyed uh, almost two thirds of all wildlife vertebrates, meaning wild animals with bones on the planet. And if we don't change our ways, and that's due to animal agriculture, because we are 7.6 billion humans, but we kill, raise and kill 50 to 60 billion land animals, not including fish, who eat a lot more than we do. And so we are destroying a lot of forests to grow crops to feed to those animals 
and it's the most inefficient food source. It takes 12 to 38 pounds of grain to make one pound of beef. Meanwhile, kids are starving. So he says, essentially, if we don't switch to a plant-based lifestyle, we will have no wildlife vertebrates by 2026. And then the ecosystem will fully start collapsing. So we have to make a change. Now, you were saying something about the amount of food, the amount of meat that pets eat. Tell us about that. So there are about 163 million dogs and cats living in the United States. Most of them consume meat. They would make up what would be the fifth largest meat-eating country if they were their own country. So that is a human rights issue in addition to being a carbon footprint issue, an animal cruelty issue, and of course, a health concern for those animals that are eating toxin-ridden meat products when they don't have to be eating well, that. Explain that a little bit. Explain that. And, and I'm looking down only because we're taking calls and we're taking comments. If you want to call, please call 866-472-5795. 866-472-5795. You can ask questions of Dr. Armighty May. She's known as the vegan vet. She does house calls and uh, she's really quite famous. She has testified in trials um, numerous times regarding uh, issues of this sort. So tell me, you were saying uh, about the fact that we're killing so many animals to feed our pets. And it's unnecessary because dogs are omnivores. We don't need to feed them meat. They can get all their nutrient requirements met from plant, mineral, and synthetic sources. They don't have to come from animals. So Actually, what's happening now, we're seeing an epidemic of cancer in dogs with about one in two dogs dying from cancer. And a lot of that is due to the toxins found in meat and dairy and other animal-based foods that dogs are consuming. There are also persistent organic pollutants, which are found in any kind of animal tissue because of the fact of bioaccumulation, where toxins that are in our environment become biomagnified or bioaccumulated as they go up the food chain. Can you scooch closer to the microphone? Thank you so much. Yeah, there we go. Speak right in there. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, when, when you're talking about this, um, there are people out there who say they love animals when in fact they love their dogs. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily love animals in general because the only animal that they're really showing compassion to is their own dog. Mm -hmm. And yet they're killing lambs and pigs and chickens and turkeys and goats and cows to feed to their dogs. In fact, there was an ad that popped up on my internet the other day that just blew me away in a bad way. It said, it was advertising a vegan dog, a, a dog food that was not vegan. And it said, made with love and lamb. I mean, that's a baby animal. And so our concept of love has gotten really twisted and our concept of loving animals has gotten really twisted. Basically, our entire culture has said, hey, you can, you can get a pass. You can say you're an animal lover and kill um, you know, 200, 300 animals a year as a meat eater and then feed your pets uh, meat. And there's no consequences, morally, ethically, or in any other way. You get a complete pass. You can call yourself an animal lover. Um, no, you're not an animal lover. Killing is no kindness. If you kill animals, you do not love them. And what we have now is this 
billion, multi-billion dollar pet industry where people are just going absolutely bonkers, buying their pets all sorts of toys, which you know I've been guilty of, I'll be honest with you. But by the same token, there's zero compassion for all these equally sentient beings like pigs and cows that are being tortured in industrialized farming. Exactly. And these animals are just as capable as people's companion dogs and cats are of feeling pain and pleasure. And they're just as deserving of compassion. So we need to refocus our priorities and also acknowledge that this is also about the health of the dogs as well. It's a healthier option to not feed a diet that's full of toxic carcinogens, heavy metals, and other persistent organic pollutants. We have a caller, Rebecca Smith. Um, what is your question or thought? Yes, hi. Hi, Hello, what's your can question you hear me? or thought? Hi. Yes, I can. Uh, hi, I just wanted to let you know, Jane, that I have been uh, following you for quite some time. And I have learned so very much from you. And I just wanted to start off by telling you thank you so very much thank for um, for uh, teaching me so much. And I have been vegan for a year now. And um, I do not have any animals. So what I do is um, I use a lot of my time following you. I am a follower of yours. And I help out and I do petitions and and everything that way. And I think that this is great going plant-based for, for the animals, considering all the, the stuff that they're putting in the animal food now and everything. Well, what's your question, just, my dear? Cause I really appreciate it, but we want to get questions for this, this, this vet and okay. she's got a lot of information. Right. Well, um, I just, I just wanted to say that I'm just really excited about everything that you guys are doing. Thank you. Okay, so we have somebody saying that they're very excited um, over what we're doing, and we very much appreciate it. But um, uh, the, the people are people are are happy that we're doing this because we're we're basically opening up people's eyes to the fact that you don't need to kill to survive. You know, this is on a philosophical level uh, a very very basic issue. And I think it's the litmus test for the human civilization. And that is, is life a zero-sum game? For us to live, does somebody else have to die? This is the basis of crime, of murder, which I covered for years as a crime reporter, of war, of violence, uh, and of killing animals. And essentially, I personally believe when we get to the point where we as a species, the human species realizes that life isn't a zero-sum game and we don't need to kill you over there or you over there for us to live, that we that nature provided low-hanging fruit and vegetables, you know, for us to be able to eat very healthily and feed the entire world. I believe that that's when we will evolve, evolve as a species. And what as we go plant-based, war will diminish and uh, go away and crime will diminish because we will have evolved beyond all that. What what say you? I believe that 100%. Peace begins on your plate. And just as Dr. Will Tuttle so eloquently stated in his book, The World Peace Diet, our spirituality is connected with what we're eating. The way we treat animals is a reflection of how we treat ourselves too. So if we can treat animals with dignity and respect and compassion, then certainly we can help achieve world peace. So we have some controversial questions here, but I know you're up for them. Zaviza <laughs> says, what would you feed coyotes so they don't eat our neighbor's pets? 
Yeah, well, that is an issue. Part of the problem with coyotes has to do with the imbalance in our ecosystem. There are fewer natural prey available to them. So now they are invading people's yards more and predating upon people's animal companions, unfortunately. So what can people do? Perhaps putting out some food for the coyotes separate if they are scavenging in the area. Or but you raise towards- you raise a very important point. As I started out this show saying that we have killed almost two thirds of all wildlife vertebrates, we are basically taking paradise and putting up a parking lot, <laughs> as an old rock song mm-hmm. said. We to raise fifty to sixty billion land animals: cows, pigs, chickens, turkeys, and goats that we kill every year, and we're only seven point six billion humans. We are destroying so much forest because these animals have to eat, have to be fattened up before they are sent to slaughter. Okay, so if we fed all the food that we ha- that we could produce directly to humans and took these farm animals out of the equation, there would be no world hunger, and we would be using a, a fraction, a fraction of the forest. And then the rainforest would be able to regenerate. The other forests would be able to regenerate. The coyotes and all the other wildlife would regenerate. The um, ice caps would start to freeze again because we would be fighting the, uh, the climate change that is occurring now. And the only thing that really needs to change, far beyond changing your light bulbs or even driving a different kind of car, is our diet. You cannot call yourself an environmentalist if you eat dead animals and their byproducts, okay? You, you just can't because it is the leading cause of climate change. Watch a film called Cowspiracy. Mm-hmm. It spells it out. We've got a caller, Sarah. Sarah from Los Angeles. Uh, what do you have to say? Hi. Good morning, Jane. Hi, Dr. Armetti May. I really admire you, and I think that this plant-based dog food initiative for the L.A. County shelters is a great way to start off this country with um, us leading the way in Los Angeles. I do have some controversy, though. I wanted to ask uh, Dr. May, what is your opinion on those persons that call themselves ronivores, where as they feed their companion animals raw meat, raw food, saying that that dogs are derived from wolves and that the wolves are the ancestors okay. of dogs and that we must Thank feed dogs meat. What's your Thank answer? you, Sarah. That's a very good question. Um, before we go to break, so this caller says that there's this whole new movement mm-hmm. of ronivores, mm-hmm. people who feed their dogs raw meat, saying that they're descendant of wolves and therefore that's what they want. Wolves, although uh, dogs have descended uh, from wolves, they evolved separately and they have developed many more genes for digestion of carbohydrates compared to their wolf ancestors. In fact, even wolves are not pure carnivores. They do eat some plant matter in the the stomachs of the the prey animals they eat. So dogs have the ability to be completely plant-based. They're omnivores. They don't need meat. And the raw meat can have even more concerns because Sustainability-wise, it's taking a huge toll. It's not something that most people can even afford. So it's it's not something that's practical. And, of course, it's cruel to the animals. Plus, you have even more of those toxic chemicals. Even though it might be raw, it might be organic, it really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's still 
full of toxins and persistent organic pollutants. So what you're saying is because essentially meat is compressed um, grain. I mean, when you look at it, look at a cow. Cow is eating grain, soy, you know, most soy. It's funny when people say, ooh, soy, ooh, soy. Well, first of all, soy is delicious. It's been test marketed on the Asian world for centuries. They have lower cancer, lower heart disease, lower obesity, lower everything. But additionally, 80% of soy is fed to farm animals. So you're eating compressed soy. Now, you're also eating GMO soy because mm-hmm. they're, they're not feeding these animals non-GMO soy, right. you know, for the most part, uh, almost exclusively. It's, you know, they're eating uh, what you might shun if you were asked to eat it, but you're eating them. So you're getting it anyway. And so what you're saying is with all the pesticides and the chemicals that are put on all that grain and uh, soy, et cetera, that they eat, they're getting compressed amounts. They're getting right. th- that when you eat meat, you're eating more chemicals, pesticides, et cetera, than you would if you just ate the vegetables straight away, especially if you're eating organic vegetables. Exactly. And it's, it even goes beyond what the animals are eating. It's also what's in their environment, what's in the drinking water, the soil. It gets into their systems. And there are so many chemicals nowadays. There are literally thousands of chemicals in our environment. And as much as we might try to get away from that, the, the fact of the matter is that the world is a different place than it was 100 years ago. We just have a lot more toxins in our environment. And when someone consumes animal flesh, that individual, whether a, a dog or a human, is going to be taking in a huge dose of toxic chemicals. So uh, we're going to take a brief break, but I'd like to say one thing. A lot of people like to say, well, back in the day, paleo man, you know, meat eater. Actually, it's quite the contrary. They have actually found some paleo man skeletons. And I was reading about this recently. They found some of the oldest skeletons that they've ever discovered. And guess what? They didn't have floss back in that day. So they actually checked what was the material between the teeth of the paleo man, and it was vegetables. Wow. It was vegetables. So plants make sense, right? Because they didn't have a, a grocery store or a fast food joint to go and just get meat whenever they wanted. Mm-hmm. So animals were domesticated following tribes and, and clusters of people, and they were eating what the people were eating. So they were eating scraps. So for the most part, they were eating vegetable scraps, which is another reason why uh, animals, uh, uh, dogs in particular, can be Um, vegan. And there's millions and millions of vegan dogs. We're going to take a short break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk a little bit about cats, but we're also going to talk about Dr. Armighty May's vision for a study to document fully the benefits of a vegan diet for dogs so that we stop killing so many animals to feed to other animals, uh, which when you really think about it is kind of crazy. Stay right there. We're going to be right back. We will continue on Facebook, but we'll take a break from the radio show. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. 
Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Listen for In the Limelight with Clarissa Burt, international media celebrity, supermodel, and renowned beauty and lifestyle expert, as well as founder and CEO of Envelop Her, multimedia platform for women, and sought-after inspirational speaker on women's issues. You'll connect with Clarissa's super influencer celebrity friends and experts as they speak about health, wealth, beauty, lifestyle, business, the love of giving, and the love of living a model life. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to elevate yourself and your business to the next level. What are the secrets of business success? Discover them on Key Entrepreneurs of Influence with your host, Kieran Sweeney. Find out who the business owners are that stand out in their respective industries and what they can teach you. The program contains valuable advice that can cost thousands through a professional consultant. Key Entrepreneurs of Influence can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern time on the voice america influencers channel now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market you are listening to jane unchained to reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. So welcome back. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell for Jane Unchained. We're on Voice America Influencers Radio. We're simulcasting at facebook.com slash Jane Velez Mitchell. Dr. Armighty May, known in Los Angeles as the vegan vet, is famous. She has testified at numerous trials uh, regarding issues that we're discussing today. Uh, Tell us why you wanted to come on today. What is happening that's timely? Right now, we are raising funds for a crucial study about the health of dogs on plant-based diets. The reason this is important is that there is yet to be enough of a consensus in the veterinary and scientific communities backing the validity of these diets, and that isn't because they aren't a valid option. They are definitely a, a very good option, and I've seen in practice, having been in practice for 13 years as a veterinarian, that dogs can thrive and actually do better on plant-based diets. And several of my colleagues have witnessed the same in their practices. However, because of the strong influence from the meat and dairy industries and the pet food industry, which is a multi-billion dollar industry, there is a financial incentive to not disseminate this information to the masses, including to the veterinary profession. And I've encountered this in my advocacy efforts attempting to reach out to other veterinarians. There are many who actually are in favor of vegan diets or plant-based diets for dogs, but are not willing to come out publicly with their support. Although we do have about 20 veterinarians in support of plant-based diets listed on our website, which you can check out plantbased.dog. That's D-O-G, plantbased.dog. And we have a GoFundMe, which is gofundme.com forward slash 
plant-based dash dogs. <laughs> well, we'll put it up. Uh, if you check back, we'll have that that up uh, in a little bit. But so you're you're trying to raise funds to do a study to prove that plant-based um, food for dogs is healthier and and therefore we should switch because we're killing a bunch of animals unnecessarily. It's exactly the same thing with humans. Okay, when I go to the doctor, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, I'm a human being. Sometimes I have to go to the doctor. And they love to zoom in on the fact that you're vegan. I'm like, well, what about the 99.999% of people out there who aren't vegan Mm -hmm. who are, you know, lying on stretchers? Do you ask them, oh, is that because you know, you're a, a meat eater that you're lying on that stretcher. So there's an institutionalized bias in our society and it happens to dogs too. If, if, a, if the vegan vet, if, if a vet isn't a vegan vet like Dr. Armighty May, if, if the vet has been trained because just like um, medical doctors for humans don't get a lot of training in nutrition or preventative medicine, uh, I assume that it's very similar in the veterinary world that they don't get a lot of training in nutrition and prevention of disease. Maybe I'm wrong. We've got the expert here. Well, I did take a few courses in nutrition in veterinary school, animal nutrition. However, in vet school, we are given free food from Hill Science Diet. Yeah. And you know what? I don't want to get into any brand names. We invite anybody from any brand name on at any time. And I should have mentioned that before. Uh, because this isn't about knocking any brand names. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are we are here to propose an alternative to save our planet, okay? Because, you know, if we don't have a planet, we don't have pets, we don't have anything. And so um, I just want to uh, keep it generic. I don't want to sure. talk about any specific brands, but sure. any brand is invited on yeah. Jane Unchained at any time to offer their perspective. But go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, so I, my point was that there is a financial incentive because of the fact that vet students are given this free food from their first year of vet school to feed their own animal companions mm-hmm. for them to then promote that and sell that to their clients once they're in practice. And I do think that biases their perspective to some degree. Uh, not to say that there aren't some good components of, of those particular brands and things they could offer that are beneficial in some ways. However, they do have meat-based ingredients, which have inherent problems with them. So not, not to say that all the alternatives are perfect, but there are <laughs> pros and cons. And when one is given something just as a, a bonus or a free item, then there's not as much of an incentive to explore you know, some of the downsides of those items. Now, Kim Delgado King says, if you go to India or many third world countries, you can see dogs living on the street, eating any scrap of food, vegetables, carbs. They can survive on almost nothing because they evolved as being out there on the street. At Once they were domesticated and um, they weren't wolves anymore, they were trying to survive on whatever they could get. And very often, I would say probably most of the time that wasn't a hamburger or steak being tossed at them. It was a scrap of food, maybe a piece of bread. So they can they can survive on uh, scraps, and those scraps are generally plant-based. And I've seen that. I've been to India. They're all vegetarian cities in India, such as Rishikesh, where there are dogs running around as strays, and they don't have access to meat, and they're surviving. I mean, they might be better off having more food, but it's not because of what they're eating. It's 
perhaps not enough food that's the issue. And of course, there are the other concerns with the stray animals there. But as far as their diet is concerned, and I have a colleague, uh, Dr. Erica Sullivan, who's done volunteer work in Gujarat, which is a province in India, as well as Thailand with shelter animals there. And they're on entirely plant-based diets and they're doing phenomenally. So if LA can adopt this policy for the shelter dogs in LA city shelters, it would be a, a really groundbreaking move. However, it, it won't be the first time that a large group of animals and a large group of dogs are raised or fed a vegan diet and uh, doing well on it. And if it passes in LA, it could spread to other parts of the country and even the world. We are killing, I think, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about is the skyrocketing human population and how that supersizes the number of animals being killed. Since I was in high school, we have twice as many people on this planet. Okay. Wow. So that's a scary thought. So the more people we have on this planet and the more pets these people have, including myself, I've got pets, um, you know, the bigger the footprint. Now, what is an easy way for us to reduce our footprint? You know, even the New York Times, which has been very reluctant to discuss the impact of meat on climate change, recently had a front page article that was up for several days talking about what you can do to reduce your footprint. And they said eating less meat and going vegan is one of the top things you can do. Uh, and so, you know, we're, we're at a point where those, let me put it this way. You can even be a climate change denier, but you can't deny the fact that to feed 50 to 60 billion animals who eat grain and soy, you have to destroy a lot of forests to grow crops. It's just simple mathematics. These crops are not growing in the sky. They have to be grown somewhere. So what, what's happening is forests are being destroyed all over the world at an incredible rate per second. Uh, I wish I had the exact number of acres of forests that have been destroyed since we started talking about this. All so we can grow crops to feed animals, okay? And meanwhile, people, humans are dying of starvation. When we could feed that those crops directly to people, we'd have an abundance of food for everybody in the world. It's artificial scarcity that is being created because, gosh, what would happen to our economy if everybody had an abundance of food to eat? We wouldn't have to just feed people based on how much money they make. And I'm not an anti-capitalist, okay? I'm a green capitalist. You can have all the capitalism you want if you stop killing animals and polluting our rivers and our skies, Okay. Um, so I'm not saying I'm a, I would even say I'm more along the lines of a, of a, yeah, that's irrelevant. But, but the point is I'm not anti-capitalist, but what I am saying is we've created a false scarcity and meat is the inherent aspect of that because it's so inefficient, because it is the most inefficient food source ever invented because animals eat so much more than they produce as meat. If you took a cow and you watch that cow eating day in and day out for two or three years, even though they could live a lot longer, but they're slaughtered prematurely. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you took all the grain and food that that cow ate, and then you compare that to the meat that that cow produced, you would see it's this much meat versus this much grain. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be a mathematician to figure that out. So what's happening is that's bad enough. But then to do all that and, and kill kill those animals to feed other animals when it's unnecessary. When you really think about it objectively, throw off some of the cultural conditioning, okay, that, that says that 
dogs, just like men, have to eat meat. You know, the, the, the industry targets men for beef and meat. They equate it with masculinity. They take uh, dairy and they equate it with femininity. That's why it's easier for women to give up meat. It's easier for men to give up dairy. Hmm. So we're all being conditioned all the time. Brainwash, 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 brainwash. Meanwhile, people are dying of heart disease, cancer. They've got obesity. They've got all these other problems. And so much of this could be prevented if we switched to a healthier diet. That's for humans and people. So Dr. Armani May, where does it stand right now um, with the proposal at Los Angeles Animal Services to, to feed the stray dogs that come in a plant-based diet? Well, we're waiting to hear when the Los Angeles Animal Services uh, Board of Commissioners will be allowed to vote on this proposal, hopefully in the near future. Uh, Commissioner Roger Wolfson introduced the proposal back in November of 2017, and we had been told that the proposal would be voted on Route right around back then. However, it wasn't agendized properly at that meeting on the 28th of November. And then they were going to do a feasibility report, uh, which they voted on at the following meeting, December 12th. And that was supposed to take two months, which ended up taking more like three months. And then they were telling us March 13th, they would be voting on it. But that didn't end up happening because it wasn't ready yet or people were out of town or something mm -hmm. like that. And so now we're again waiting. They say it's under legal review. We don't know exactly what that means, uh, but we're, we're hoping that they're going to get it on the agenda to vote fairly soon. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, I think that raising the money for this study is really important. It, it will help lend more scientific evidence for the rationale behind why dogs should be vegan and, you know, we don't know what the outcome of the re results will be exactly, uh, but we know from anecdotal reports of thousands of dogs who are thriving on vegan diets. And there, there are so many more that we don't even know about. They're probably closer to millions of dogs, really, that are doing quite well on plant-based diets. So the purpose of this study is to solidify this data, gather blood and urine samples, be able to analyze between two groups of dogs, one group of dogs will be eating a plant-based diet, the other group will be eating a meat-based diet, and then their blood and urine test values will be compared over a period of four to six months, possibly longer, if we can get the funding that we need to, to perform the study. And we're working, uh, the, the vet who's going to be performing the actual research is Dr. Tonatiel Melgarejo at Western University College of Veterinary Medicine. He's a uh, research DVM, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, and PhD scientist, and he he will be uh, conducting the study um, along with the support of other faculty, and and I will be um, helping in whatever way that I can, uh, especially on the fundraising aspect of it. And so we we only have until the end of this month to raise the funds. So please, if you can donate and share this, it would be greatly appreciated. We have a deadline because there's a, a possible matching grant from the Ooh. dean of the university, Western oh. University College of Veterinary Medicine, Ooh. which by the way, this college is very unique in that they have a reverence for life philosophy. And as a veterinarian myself and the founder of VAPA, the Veterinary Association for the Protection of Animals, I wanna see that more veterinary schools offer a reverence for life type of philosophy, which means they don't have any harmful or terminal use of animals in their curriculum. The reason this is so crucial is that there are very many vet students who are pre-vet 
students who would want to go to vet school, but they're prevented from doing so because they don't want to have to hurt or kill animals in order to become veterinarians. Mm. And this veterinary school, Western University, has what's called a willed animals for veterinary education or willed deceased animals for veterinary education body will donation program. Mm. So when an animal passes on or is euthanized for humane medical reasons, the guardian of that animal can opt to donate the remains of that animal to the veterinary school. So, so students can learn mm. anatomy from these ethical source cadavers, as we would call them. That's fascinating because, you know, I signed something for myself. God forbid I have a car accident or something. My body goes to science. It's in my wallet my vegan wallet. <laughs> and, um, you know, of course, I don't even want to think about it, but it's a, it's something to do for, for all life because you could save a life um, by, by signing that. So where can you get that? Where can you sign that? So the, the, the website for the donation, um, well, if you go to Western University's website, you can find that information. Uh, if people specifically have questions, they can always contact me. Uh, my website is veganvet.net mm-hmm. and my email address veganvet at gmail.com in case someone has issues with the website. But yeah, I, I have offered that to clients when I've done at-home euthanasias, uh, which I've done a, quite a few of those because we all have to die someday, including our animal companions, and we don't want to have them suffer unnecessarily if they're at the end of their life and they're just suffering, I see that there's a compassionate thing we can do to relieve that suffering. So when that time comes to say goodbye is when I present that option to clients. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Now, Danny Rook, it says, my super active, happy, muscular, and charming 10-plus-year-old pooch has been on V-Dog for over two years and just had its annual exam by the non-vegan veterinarian clinic, and he's in tip-top shape. So yeah, there are a lot of anecdotal um, stories, but uh, to to have a study would really be would be excellent because it would really establish it once and for all. Now I want to ask you about uh, something else. And you testified at the trial of Anita Crines, mm-hmm. who is a, a doctor. She's a, she's got a doctorate. She lives in Toronto, uh, but she's really a student of uh, Tolstoy and philosophy. Very educated woman, um, and she began the animal save movement where you go to um, slaughterhouses and you bear witness because Tolstoy said, even if you can't stop suffering, you have a moral obligation to bear witness. So she was arrested for giving water and comfort to a pig bound for slaughter. It's all caught on videotape. The guy, the truck driver, you know, calls the cops on her and insults her. And she says, show some compassion. She was put on trial and you were brought to Toronto to testify in court What was that about? What did you say? I was brought as an expert witness to testify about the condition of the pigs. And I witnessed what was on the video. It was horrific. They were frothing at the mouth, foaming at the mouth, panting heavily. Uh, Their respiratory rate was very elevated. They were overheated. It was a, a hot, hot summer day. They didn't have water. And pigs all crammed together in this truck. They were confined very tightly, just practically on top of one another. So this woman, Anita Kreintz, showed some compassion, gave water to these thirsty animals, and she was charged with criminal mischief for doing this. And I was there to point out to the judge and everyone there in the court that these pigs were suffering and she was there to relieve their suffering because they were overheated and they could have died from heat exhaustion 
had she not, well, of course they all were killed ultimately, but of course, unfortunately, uh, but had she not been there to provide some relief of their thirst, they would have continued suffering. And so she was justified in what she was doing. It was a compassionate and noble act. And she should not have been charged with a crime for showing compassion. Compassion is not a crime. Yeah. And ultimately the charge was thrown out and she got global attention. And part of it was her strategy. She hired two vegan lawyers or had pro bono. I don't know, but she had two great vegan lawyers and they um, essentially turned the tables on the case and put animal agriculture on trial, Mm -hmm. showing that these pigs have a higher IQ than dogs. And um, they actually have the emotional development of very young human children uh, and that what they go through in, in in factory farming, I mean, castration without anesthesia, being kept in pig gestation crates, tails cut off. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's so, it's institutionalized torture is what it is, institutionalized sadism. And this is happening to billions of pigs, not just, if you did to a dog, what they do to these pigs regularly, you know, as part of what you do to produce pig products, bacon, ham, hot dogs, um, you would be charged with animal cruelty. Absolutely. Dogs and pigs deserve the same protections. They're just as capable as feeling pain and suffering as well as pleasure. And if you visit a farm sanctuary, which I highly recommend, it will be an eye-opening experience and a heart-opening one to see these animals up close and personal, give a pig a belly rub, pet a cow, let a hen or a chicken lay in your lap, and Show love to these animals. Experience for yourself firsthand their unique and dynamic personalities. It'll be a life-changing experience. So people, this is what I see, because we are always looking for, how do we wake people up to the idea that they don't need to kill animals to eat themselves or to feed to their dogs? Uh, A lot of times, the reaction is very intense, very intense resistance, very intense resistance. And also very angry at the notion that we're challenging their self-perception of animal as being animal lovers because they're killing animals. Killing is no kindness. You don't kill who you love. And so there's a tremendous resistance, almost like a head down resistance. Like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I'm going to feed my dogs this because, 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 because why? Because culturally we are conditioned to believe that that's what we should do. So that's why the study is so important because it will help shatter those cultural myths, just like uh, for humans. I mean, look, there's millions of people. I don't eat any animals. You don't eat any animals. We have millions of people now that are not, I just went to see, I think it's called Oceans 8 last night. Hmm. Um, it was a film. My, my girlfriend and I went to see it. We, you know, we take time off. Guess what? The word vegan popped up a couple of times in that oh. film. Uh, because they were at the Metropolitan Museum and they were infiltrating. Uh, I don't want to ruin it for you. But in any case, I, I, every time I go to a movie or turn on the TV, the word vegan uh, pops up. We, the culture is changing. People are waking up. And when enough people wake up, the whole world's going to wake up. We're going to normalize a plant-based diet. We're going to normalize nonviolence. And that's how evolution is going to occur. And it's going to happen much faster than anyone thinks. Um, the, the old system is collapsing as we speak. The meat alternatives, the lab-grown meat, uh, the, the 
everything is changing and and we're at that point where we're about to hit the tipping point but um this would be a very big big um move toward the tipping point. Absolutely. This is the beginning of a huge movement in my eyes that will transform the animal rights movement, the vegan movement, because there are a lot of people that could go vegan or would go vegan if they realized how feasible it was. And if they can see that dogs can be vegan, their own dogs are vegan, then it'll be a lot easier for them to make that transition. And that's also part of the reason why it's difficult to get through this message because people have their belief systems that they think animals are here for us, that dogs need meat, that they have to have meat. And so we're trying to break through these myths, these preconceived notions and bring forth truth, which is the science, the facts. And if we can show the facts clearly, scientifically, credibly, and share that with the world, this will be the beginning of something really huge for animals. Yeah. And, you know, for all those people who love their dogs so much, I say to them, you know, for their own eating and for the feeding of their dogs, go to a slaughterhouse and take a look at an animal. There's vigils. We bear witness here every Sunday. And Jane Unchained goes live every Sunday. We were live last night. Joaquin Phoenix, the actor. And Runa Mari, Rooney Mara, mm -hmm. the actress, were there. Um, and we bear witness at a pig uh, slaughterhouse near downtown L.A. in Vernon every Sunday evening. And uh, I, I suggest that they all go there because I think that a lot of these people who are dog lovers, particularly, who consider themselves animals, would be hard-pressed to slit the, the throat of a pig or a cow or even a chicken. And so essentially there's, there's an element of cowardice there where you're hiring somebody else to do something that you're incapable of doing because you want to call yourself a nice person. Meanwhile, that person gets, you know, PTSD, carpal tunnel, tunnel syndrome, alcoholism, drug addiction, domestic violence, all the things that come with having a job of killing on a daily basis. And, uh, and not to mention that they don't really have a choice. This is the people on the lowest end of the economic uh, spectrum sometimes quite often undocumented workers. So we're, we're saying you do this, but we're going to say that we're animal lovers. So you do the killing for me. I'm going to keep my self-impression, my self-image, um, my myth of I'm an animal lover um, because I have a dog that I'm, that I'm feeding dead animals to unnecessarily. I mean, when you really deconstruct it and think about it from a logical perspective, it's... Uh, it's, it's cowardice and denial to think that you could be an animal lover while you're feeding yourself and your, your dog dead animals unnecessarily. So I think that's, that's the bottom line. Absolutely. And just reminding people that protein comes from plants. That's where athletes get it uh, initially is from plants. Yes. Everyone has to have their protein, but they don't have to get it from animals. And some of the strongest, biggest herbivores on the face of the earth, like elephants, rhinoceroses, horses, hippos, I mean, they're all herbivores and they're very strong. So we don't need to support the slaughter of other animals to be healthy and get our protein and all our nutrients. Same with dogs. They, they do have protein requirements. We're not denying that. But they can have those protein requirements met 
from plant sources. Okay, Zoe Rooster says, Armighty, how important is it to raise $50,000 by June 30th? It's super important that we raise the 50,000. Actually, we wanna raise 75,000 by the end of June. And we have about 5,000 raised so far. So we have 70,000 to go. And if everyone listening to this can just put in, I don't know, 20 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever works for your budget, and share it out, that would be a huge help. Yeah, share it out. So, and so, so please help So us. people can also just think about, do I really need to feed? Because there's a lot of vegan products. Now, I'm not saying this is an advertisement, but just as a fact, there are plenty of vegan dog foods. A lot of people don't even know that. V-Dog is a vegan dry food kibble that is very popular. Uh, our dogs eat it. And um, then there's Evolution. There's Ami. AMI. People have been asking about cats. I didn't want to get too much into it because it's a totally different subject. It's very different, but there is a vegan cat food called me, AMI, that our cat eats. Um, And uh, so, you know, part of it is also adding this into the diet. I mean, it's just like humans. Some people can make the transition to plant-based 100% instantly. And for other people, it's it's a journey. And it's just about getting on the journey. If everybody who had a dog, for example, just started adding in vegan dog food, that would certainly be a step in the right direction. Right. However, I do want to point out that a lot of dogs have allergies to meat proteins. So whether it's beef or chicken, those are one of the top allergies for dogs. And they get skin rashes, itchy, scratching on their uh, all over their body, chewing their feet. So for those dogs, a complete switch to a plant-based diet can be a lifesaver. And yeah, whatever people can do in the meantime to transition their dogs, adding in more vegetables, adding in more plant-based food, if they don't want to do complete switch, that's better than nothing. But if they want to see real results and they're concerned about the possibility of allergies to chicken or beef or dairy, then please just do a complete switch You know, over a gradual period of time, ideally <coughs> to minimize gastrointestinal upset. But certainly once that transition has been completed, exclusively feeding the plant-based food. And there are many, many brands available. There are brands on the market in the regular pet stores, retail outlets you can get that have vegetarian vegan formulas. There are ones online. So if you check out our website, plantbased.dog, you can actually Mm -hmm. see profiles of vegan dogs thriving, uh, many different veterinarians who are in support of this. There are people from all over the world who are doing this. This is not just some fad thing. This is a growing movement that is worldwide, actually. So uh, we would love for people to be a part of this, help out, donate, share, and, and make this a reality. Yeah. And you know, I want to give you a shout out. Dr. Armani May, you are in the forefront. You're a pioneer you've led the way on this uh, to a large degree. And uh, I know that it has to have been difficult because it would have been much easier. I mean, for, for all of the people who, you know, uh, wonder, we know that uh, people who, who sell meat products are motivated, you know, by profit. Um, and there's nothing wrong with being motivated by profit. Uh, not all profit motives are tainted, but you're motivated by basically Uh, something else. Absolutely. I'm motivated by compassion for animals. When I have learned what I've had the chance to see about what's going on to animals behind closed doors in factory farms and slaughterhouses, I've watched so much 
of this undercover investigation footage and it's really haunted me and I I want to see a change you know I really want to see a better world for all animals and for people they're animals too we can make this world a better place for everyone and this is an avenue through which this can be accomplished for our animal companions the betterment of their health as well as protecting the planet helping animals that don't have to be killed and helping move our whole society towards a vegan world yeah and I think you know it's part of making our actions in tune with our values. And I got that from Jean Bauer of Farm Sanctuary. You know, there's so much depression happening now. So many people are just very sad. They're blue. They don't know why. They're down. And I believe that the, the subconscious mind is much smarter than the conscious mind and knows that, there's, that the person is killing on a daily basis. And when you're killing unnecessarily, um, you know, the, there's there's an ethical issue there. I covered crime. I have covered crime against humans for years. And it doesn't matter whether you kill somebody or you order the hit. If you are directing the death of someone else, you are just as guilty as a person who slit the animal's throat or th- slit the, vic- the human victim's throat. So people know this deep down inside. And I think it creates, because they like to think of themselves as very good people, it creates a disconnect. And that disconnect, that dissonance creates sadness and depression. Mm-hmm. And then there's self-medication. So then on top of that, people self-medicate. And so um, I, I do believe that, that there is a better way and that this lifestyle that we've adopted is a very joyous lifestyle. I mean, one thing that, that I see, even the people who have to go and look at, and we all do, we take turns going into these slaughterhouses um, on a rotating basis to bear witness. Yes, that's difficult, but we're a joyous, happy lot because we've left that behind. And, you know, if you are at a point in your life where you want something new and fresh and you're like, oh, something just doesn't feel right. Well, you are what you eat. Try just getting rid of the dead animals and the, and the animal byproducts. Just see if that changes your psyche your mentality, how you feel about life. Because I know I do a lot of stupid things every day. The other day I started this show and I went to reach for something. I knocked everything over. So the first five minutes of the radio was me scrambling around trying to reconstruct all the uh, pieces of of the equipment. And of course I felt like an idiot. But when I put my head down on the pillow, I said, okay, I didn't kill anybody today. So, you know, we all do stupid things, but um, I'll speak for myself. I do a lot of dumb things. But when we um, live this lifestyle, we, we have that certain joyousness because we have that freedom from the guilt of knowing that, that, there's, that we're killing and, and there's no reason for it. So join us, uh, you know, free yourself from the shackles. That's why I call it Jane Unchained. Right. Free yourself yeah. from the shackles of this mentality, this primitive, barbaric, medieval mentality. It's even worse than medieval that says... We've got to kill every day to live, and uh, you will have a whole different perspective on life. So thank you for joining us. We're wrapping it up here. I think we're almost done with the Voice America Influencers. It's been a great show. I want to thank our uh, engineer, um, Ryan, did a great job today. And uh, I'm always a difficult, difficult patient. So thank you, Ryan. And uh, we will see you next time. <music> 
Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.